In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I'm Zach Romero. Joining me here, as always, is my co-host, Chad Allen. Chad, say hello. Hey, everybody. And uh, we continue a a phenomenal uh, season of the IndieCast, grabbing a lot of uh, dream guests, as it were, and a lot of people high up on our priority list. Joining us... For the very first time, is the leader of the Dirty Orphan Gang, the international folklore of wrestling. He is perfect headlocks and broken glass. No flinch, <laughs> Nolan Edward. I like the last part. I, I, like I may that. have done some research prior to this uh, interview. I may have I done tweet, some I, That was it. What did I tweet that uh, not that long ago? Yes, you mentioned that if like a wrestling Disneyland, that was what would be there for you. Uh, can can I can I throw in the typical uh, IndyCast tagline here right now, Zach? Yeah, of course. Why why is that not on a shirt? Well, <laughs> we we we've got options. We've got options. It but should. Nolan Edward, thank you so much for joining us on the IndyCast. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Nolan, you've been on uh, a few podcasts, uh, even recently, and so we want to make sure that we stay in line with those concepts that they are introducing, and Chad here is going to walk you through what we like to call lightning round questions. Uh, Basically, the basic, most basic, white, milk toast questions we can come up with (laughs) before we get bored and start asking more interesting things. So, Chad, please, take it away. This is like Terrios without the honey. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's get the typical podcast boring question out of the way right off the bat. Rip off the band-aid, as it were. Who trained you, and when did you debut? Uh, I was originally trained in Flint, Michigan, under Ace Evans, Nick Zero, and Dylan Knight. And my first match was January 9th, 2018. And then since then, I've gone on to train under Josh Abercrombie, Truth Martini, uh, Scott Demore, OI4K for a little bit, and now Carrie Awful. Very nice. Uh, question number two: What is your first wrestling memory? I know I I know I said this recently, um, but to go along with it, uh, the the first memory is an old Undertaker VHS. But to go into detail, uh, the the big the biggest thing I remember of it is the Mankind Taker Hell in a Cell spot from the vhs because it covers the ministry of darkness so my first memory and then the first involved one is mankind falling to his death very nice ministry of darkness reference too i love it yeah uh question number three uh what is your last minute snack on the way to a show my i honestly i would say my favorite snack is like mango like mango slices Okay. Like you know, like those dried mango slices. Yeah, yeah. They, they like they're right next to like the beef jerky and the trail mix. Yeah, those are the those are like my favorite. Hmm. Very nice. Question number four: Who is a musical artist that no one would expect you to like? Hmm. Frank Sinatra. Excellent. 
Very nice. Now, do you pick that up from like early? It was playing while you were growing up, or no? So I'm very like I. I was just talking to my tag partner about this the other day. He said, "If you could, if you could uh, cut a promo in front of any random spot that nobody would think Nolan Edward would hang out at, but it's definitely where Nolan Edward hangs out at. What would you do?" And I said, "I'd film a promo inside of a jazz, like a jazz like venue." Oh, that'd be um, interesting. I very much am into like old jazz, old, old cl- like like also, crooners and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love Frank and I love kind of like modern now. I love like folk punk music mm-hmm. or, or folk music in general. Um, I'm all over the board, but none of it's, none of it's what's popular today. If I can put it that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that like the folk punk genre kind of is looked at as punk because I want to steer a lot of future punk pro projects towards that kind of soundtrack and i'm like i don't really know if it's gonna work but i want it i want it so bad it is for me well that's all that matters then that'll be the name of the show nolan said it was okay yeah Yeah. nolan approves um and and yeah i gotta say i i figured you that would be probably something like that and we'll have to talk about it later that um i we have a conversation a lot on here about interesting theme music or theme music that you wouldn't expect to be theme music. And we always reference things like, you know, Effie coming out to Goodbye Yellowbrook Road or Grado coming out to, to Madonna's uh, Like a, like a Prayer. Know, like a prayer. Um, but you coming out to the grassroots, I think, goes way high on that list for me, too, because that was one that, like, it made sense once you, you know, obviously once you come out and everything, it just seems to fit. But it was definitely like, is this like I thought it was the mamas and the papas at first because I wasn't I couldn't hear it right I away. Um, I wish it was the mamas and the papas. I, I don't see. I, I could easily see you coming out to um, uh, California, California Dreaming. Not that you're from California, but the like the the groove of the song itself, I could definitely see being a thing. Yeah, I so. that that theme song came about because I was transitioning between theme songs uh after eh, this is after i did those punk pro tapings zach Mm -hmm. um i was transitioning between songs that i just liked uh and i think i switched back and forth i came out to rolling stones at one for a couple shows and then i went to one show and i'm close with the promoters and i literally told them i said this is my vibe this is what i'm going for now, whatever song you think goes well with it, I don't even tell me the song. Just play it, and if I look at you and say, is this me, and you say yes, I'm walking through the curtain. And they played Grassroots Live for Today. Nice. And then I, I stuck with it until recent. And again, that goes back towards like having a clear persona that even a promoter could be like, oh, this is you, and have it fit. Like That's a great sign of having a good identity. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it the first time I came out. I think I didn't really catch on to it until the third or fourth. And then I finally started to get it at like the 50th. Good, good. <laughs> and then you switched. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, you know, a key to persistence. That's good. Yeah. So uh, real quickly, qu- question five on the lightning round, and then we'll come back to this because uh, I am uh, I do want to dig a little bit more into this, especially on the theme music side of things. But uh, question five, the important one for everybody, Marvel or DC and why? Uh, 
Oh, I was just at the comic book store with G Raver this morning. Um, I uh, love the I love the picture of that. By the way, like yeah, yeah of course, two two, two deathmatch wrestlers, two like of the bloodiest deathmatch like G Raver especially. Holy crap! Walking in, it's like I think I'm gonna pick up a Spider Man today. <laughs> That's just I, I love that I love so, that vision. So based off today, I gotta say Marvel. Okay. I'm I I care way too much about X Men and <laughs> and mutants and Punisher. I care I care way too much about like I I say I'd say Marvel because it's what was there when I first started reading comics. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody can say Marvel or DC, and they'll say the stuff like you no, know, like this is real to me. Damn it! Right. Uh, <laughs> in quotes. So I'm not the oh, I only care about movies like DC has better movies. Marvel has better movies. I'm what can, what can I read and have more fun reading? And it's Marvel for a while. I loved reading green lantern, Mm. but I did. It didn't mean that I loved reading DC because I just liked reading green lantern. When I really think about it, when I've, my, the first comics I ever read were Punisher War Journals, so I had that's that holds dear in my heart is war, the War Journal series. Um, but then when I started getting more into it, the only thing I ever continued to read after trying to read maybe six or seven uh, DC titles, Green Lantern was the only one that stuck. Flash did for a little bit, but then that dropped off with me as well. But that's Mar- interesting because Mar- both stuck. of those books. I, I, I don't know exactly what time frame we're talking about, but this was the, I don't want to say new year. What was it wasn't new fifty two, but it was but, but I'm thinking both of those were they both written by Jeff Johns? Yeah. Yeah. Those were great. The Jeff Johns for a time was like the cleanup guy of DC. Like I they would be that. like they would be like, All right, Jeff, uh the flash is a disaster and nobody reads these books. Can you make these make sense? This and is when Flash introduced Godspeed. Yes. So we're not, we're thinking the same run, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, yep. And then and then the exact same thing with Green Lantern. It was like, all right, Jeff, this is a disaster. Why is he weak to yellow? Why is Sinestro the only yellow lantern? We don't know what the yeah. hell's going on. Make this readable again. And then he just explode like galaxy brain. It was like, there's a whole spectrum of emotion, color rings, and da-da-da-da-da. And like told this amazing, just huge arcing story and reset the foundation yeah. of what that character was about. Yeah. So good choices is what I'm trying to say. You know, and real interesting, you know what, one thing, I the, the one word I have not heard yet here when we're talking about DC so far, and Nolan may be the first person that I think we've ever had this conversation with. Oh, that yeah, you're right. Up, you did not bring up Batman once in this entire conversation, and I'm very surprised by that. No, um, I, uh, the only... Now I'm bringing Batman up because you mentioned it. <laughs> right, but of course. You made the first, you, yeah, you broke the seal there, Chad. You... <laughs> um, the only Batman I liked was the Spawn scene when he was with Spawn. Okay, but let, let me back up. Now I'm suddenly flashing back to when I worked at a comic book store 10 lifetimes ago. Um, did you read any of like, so there, in my opinion, there's certain not quite continuity books for Batman that are decent reads. And most of them have been turned into the movies now, but I'm thinking like hush long Halloween. Um, 
even some of the Gotham City Siren Joey. stuff was pretty good. Killing yeah, Joke. Killing Joke. There, killing Joke I like. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight when he was fighting Jack the Ripper. Um, there's a lot of Long Halloween is is my favorite um, Tim Sale art book. Um, there's a lot of like uh, what I feel are really good Batman stories that aren't like oh it was issue this to this in the main continuity. Like there's a lot of I guess Elseworlds would be a way to describe them sort of stories that drew them in. Yeah, I like I liked. I liked his run with Spawn because it was. I like Spawn a lot. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, That's fair. What I actively read right now is Punisher stuff, mutant, anything X Men or New Mutants, and then Spawn. Um, I I don't know. I I liked. I had to go back obviously because I I'm not gonna lie. I haven't gone and read one to whatever issue we are on now. Of course, on, but I want to someday, and I want to know what I got to do to make that happen. Uh, with outside of a busy wrestling schedule, once that slows down for a second, that's when I will take that time to do so. Um, because I keep telling myself to do it. Uh, but I really gotta, I really gotta give it up for just this random collab with Batman at that time. <laughs> well, I, I also enjoy the just the sheer concept of, like, Batman, who was the world's greatest detective, is very logical, having to interact with someone who automatically puts to bed that, by the way, hell definitely exists. Yep. And and this guy is from there. Like, oh, okay, great. And you're like, what did Batman just get himself into? Right. Oh, excellent, excellent. No, well, no I've got I have, recommendations I... now. I'm going to follow up two quick comic book questions that are more movie related. I know we haven't been talking the movies or the TV shows too much. Yeah. For Punisher, since you do follow, obviously we'd mentioned Punisher a couple times. Yeah. Uh, is uh, John Bernthal the best Punisher that has ever put on the put on the costume for a live action version? Yes. No, Excellent. because Dolph Lundgren exists. So fuck <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I I do it's good. That and, was uh, so bad. Oh, I remember watching it in high school. It's so bad. Uh, uh no, I I man. Poor Dolph Lundgren. Uh the what they did with the TV show blew me away. Yes. Um that's one show that I have gone back. I believe I've also watched Daredevil back twice. Okay. But I I think I've watched Punisher seasons one and two all the way through three times. So uh as a quick aside to that, I know Chad's got another question. Did you because you're a you're a huge mutants person. Um, did you watch WandaVision at all? No. Um, and this, this is why. So I, I told, I was talking to Carrie literally Mm -hmm. the other day and I was stressed. I don't remember what it was about. Uh, but I was stressed and his response was just go, just, just relax and just watch WandaVision and, (laughs) and stop thinking about the world. And then I was like, I haven't started it yet, Carrie. <laughs> well, uh, I oh. definitely watch it and get back to us because a future question is do you think and this is a teaser for when Nolan comes back to the show someday, okay. do you think we will ever get a perfect representation or close to perfect representation of X-Men or a mutant story when superhero movies kind of always fall into that same rhythm of like everyone's quippy and we can't get too serious or sad. 
And WandaVision yeah. kind of explores a couple of those concepts a little bit. Does shit's it? Not, shit's not full House of M. Don't go in expecting that. But okay. we're exploring some options, some ideas. I mean, I'd hope, I'd like for... I I watched all, every single X-Men or mutant-related movie religiously. Um, and at times where everybody was like, this is taken way too seriously and this sucks, I loved it. Right. And at times where people were like, this is too comedic and this is too much, I love that. So, right. I don't know. Like, I want there to be this one. I want, okay, Age of Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. At times, I thought was going there um, with how moody it was. Mm -hmm. But then it would throw me completely off, like the next minute. Right. Um, And so. I don't, I got, I, I hope that there is this world and soon, hopefully it exists that we can have anything mutant related that way. Okay, good. Chad, what's your other question that we veered uh, off into space? No, that's okay. Question two, obviously, because you're, this actually works out because you are, we did mention X-Men. You're a big X-Men fan. Um, we know that um, Hugh Jackman will not be coming back as Wolverine, or at least that's what he's saying. And I'm going to take him face value on that one. Uh, who should replace him as Wolverine and why is it Carl Urban? <laughs> you want to know who I think should replace him as Wolverine? Yeah. Who played Boomerang in Suicide Squad? Oh, oh. Uh, the hell's his name hold on hold on i just yeah i just i had i had just put i was looking up something else for this and i put my phone down and that was uh i could see let's see who that. finds his name first i he's i know Chai he's Chai courtney okay i I, if I could see him, I'm not. I'm not a ripped individual. But if he got ripped and looked as good as as uh, huge, I, I blanked. Hugh Jackman did as Wolverine. Then I think that would be a good replacement. Um, uh, if he wasn't playing Venom, I'd say Tom Hardy. Okay, but that's already taken. But that's just my two super random ones that I can think of. Okay. And even with even with the Carl Urban suggestion, mm -hmm. I'm like on principle I'm against it because he's already played Judge Dredd and did a great job, right? Yeah. And has all, also played the Butcher and the Boys, so it's already two superheroes. And he and he played the Executioner in Ragnarok. And the so Ray, really, yeah, yeah. We could, that's so probably where it's really killed. At this point, who played Cable and Thanos? Who was that? Oh, that's true. Um, um Josh Brolin. Yeah, Josh Rowland. Let's just give him Wolverine, too. There you go. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so All right. That, that is the end of my lightning round, officially. Okay, so, so now I have a follow-up lightning round question. I want to talk about this Undertaker VHS. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, I'm a VHS guy. Right. You're, you're uh, a manager at Brain Buster Video. Yes. So I want to talk about what... A, I want to talk about just any kind of memories you have for VHS. I want to go deep into that and really alienate our audience. But B, I also <laughs> want to talk about what is it like to have your wrestling viewpoint influenced by a tape? Not, I stumbled on Raw on TV Live, but being presented with wrestling in a somewhat cohesive, edited final product. Yeah, so the Undertaker VHS that I'm talking about is... 
it's a it's Undertaker's face on a purple VHS cover, and it's literally it's, it's I looked at it the other day after after I talked about it for the first time in a while, and it's literally sixty minutes, no more, no less. Um, it's sixty minutes of a doc of a documentary, I guess. Um, live matches as the ministry's forming segments and in between is like a narrator that is and it's like an old like almost almost looks like the spawn movie uh like flame backgrounds and it's like the guy whoever they had do the old wrestlemania intros yes yes doing um whatever text shows up on the screen he's reading that and it was super unique and everything and and like that was that's how I got exposed to wrestling. I found that tape going through at this foster home, going through um, in the basement uh, underneath a giant plasma TV uh, with a VHS player in it, um, not separate, but in it. Um, where was it? I want to think. It, I want to say it was a plasma. It was a box TV, not a plasma. Right, of course, yeah, it was, it was a box yeah. TV and. Um, it's like the cabinet underneath it was yeah, like in the the, entertainment system or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the magnet. You click it and boom, it opens. Yes, and then you click it to shut. I clicked it, opens, and all of a sudden, there's all these organized VHSs that nobody goes through. And I would just, I went, I, I, it was never organized again. But it was also because I was the only one that would go through it. So however I left it was how I found it. True, and. Within that, I found like one of my favorite movies of all time is Grease. Uh, first time I saw Grease was on VHS. Amazing. Uh, from that same cabinet. I'm obviously a pro wrestler now, so we see how seeing that Undertaker VHS turned out for me, all from that cabinet. So, so you're I, saying had you seen Grease first, might yeah. have been an actor instead? Quite possibly. You would make an, an excellent uh, uh, Kanicki, perhaps, or. Um... <laughs> Uh, not Eugene, obviously that would be safe for me. Um, I'll be Sandy. Okay, perfect. perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that like VHS exposed me to a lot of the stuff that I like now. Um, looking back at it, it kind of amazes me right now. Uh, cause I didn't, there's more, there's more than just wrestling in Greece that I saw, obviously. I mean, it's a great duo, but yeah, it's a great double feature, but... Yeah, I think I saw the first time I saw Lion King was on a VHS. Amazing. Um, that's probably also one of the last times I watched Lion King. <laughs> you drew the line in the sand after that? No, I I don't know what it was. I just I just didn't care for Lion King at, at some point in my life, and everybody was talking about it, and I said, I eh, watched it, it's okay. Um I'd rather watch Undertaker VHSs. Right. I'm looking at the actual tape. I believe it's the tape. It's it's called Undertaker the Phenom. Yeah, that's the one. The Phenom of the World Wrestling Federation leads you on a journey to the dark side, highlighting his most recent battles. The discovery of Kane's existence, the fiery horror of the Royal Rumble casket disaster, his wars with mankind, the betrayal of Paul Bearer. It's all here and more. Yep. There's... Oh shit, I remember. That's why I like Kane that that version of Kane so much. It was like cuz every time somebody says something about Kane, I'm like there's no Kane that's better than the long 
one long sleeve pleather sewn off huge glove cane yes. that just ripped a hell in a cell wall or door off. Yes. That's when I think of cane, like that's that's my cane. Um and it's because of that VHS. There's gonna we're, we'll have to do like a sit down like deep dive interview at some point, just going over like, do you remember this VHS? What about this VHS? Um, yeah, there's a lot. Now, hey, can, I I want us to do like a, a like a commentary track for that Undertaker DVD, the Undertaker VHS now. Um, so my my follow up question then, and my final VHS question is, um, are you falling back into it now? Because VHS is coming back similarly to how like vinyl records came back. Are you looking in that direction these days or no? Yes. Um, Excellent. So there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff that's been happening with VHS. And actually today, my tag partner sent me a text and he said, um, hey, I'm finally doing it. And I said, what? <laughs> he's a, he's you can a, narrow that down just a little. Right, just slightly. He's, if you he's could. a 35-year-old man. I'm 23. He's, he's 35. Uh he's we're up to a lot so i said what exactly and a while ago he told me that he wants to cut promos or highlight reels and put them on vhs tapes and sell them as merch and i said that would it's involved but that's really cool and he texted me today saying that he's doing that so all day he's been recording stuff and putting it on vhs with his friend um that like that's another thing that's like one of the reasons why also why i got back into it um a lot of my friends from when i lived in nashville uh are vhs by trade and sellers now true um and they they're they pay their rent with it they make a career out of it so i i if it was up to me i would have never stopped having to use vhs tapes true uh, because from the time I was born until the time I was like 18, even though I was 18 in 2016, I was still like watching VHS tapes. I was saying, uh, which is in, which is interesting because VHS had technically died 10 yeah. years prior to that. No, I just, I don't know. It's the same reason why I like going to comic book shops and going through the old comic section not what's new this week it's the same right. reason why I like listening to vinyl it's, just, it's all that like i live like, as of right now <laughs> as of right now i live in an old cabin up in northern michigan-esque area it's uh, yeah it's kind of north northwest michigan not exactly the up uh it, where which literally all that there is in it is a tv that has a vhs option a record player a bed and a uh, kitchen you're living the dream. Yeah, and it's and when you look out in the front door, it's uh there's water and I can go fishing in my front yard. Um it's 5 minutes from downtown in the beach. Like my goal with wrestling was always to get over enough to where I can go live in that area. Um and when promoters want to book me, I can just say this is where I'm at and they're like, "No problem." Right. <laughs> That, um, again, living the dream. But that's that's always been a huge goal of mine. And so, I don't know, seeing people do stuff with VHS, it's like never left my life. So I'm glad that it's coming back to other people's. Well, and like I said, you do have a connection with Brainbuster Video. So if there's a best yeah. of Nolan Edward that tape that needs to happen, we can make that happen. Yeah, yes. 
it does. <laughs> I will get I will get to I will get to thinking about what needs to go on it right now. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, it is time. And uh, Chad and I discussed this beforehand. Uh, Nolan, we have some uncomfortable business to discuss. Okay. <laughs> now, one thing that does come up from time to time when discussing uh, you as a as uh, a success and 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 uh, varying degrees of popularity is some controversy with your name. Oh God! That there was oh. some confusion, that some extra letters were thrown on your name at one point. Oh God! Ladies and, and gentlemen, said, if underneath this question you could please go to YouTube and find the Ting Tings, that's not my name, and play it quietly underneath this line of yeah. questions. Yeah. So, so uh, there was a point early on in your career where you were being referred to as Noland Edwards. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 I don't. <laughs> So when I, 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 it's, it's hard to explain when I first started wrestling, it's always been first name, Nolan, middle name, Edward. And nobody really knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, the first things that come to mind when I think of Edwards is like O'Shea Edwards, mm-hmm. um, Eddie Edwards. Uh, that's just a couple I can think of about the first that. So when I tell a promoter Edward, I think they just immediately think Edwards. So for the first two years of my career, now keep in mind, I'll be wrestling three years, June 9th. So we're approaching three years. Um, anytime somebody got my name wrong, I didn't fix it because mm-hmm. I'm not in a position to say that. Uh, then I started traveling and, and getting my name out there. And, and there was also, okay, so I won't say that every promotion got it wrong because there was also enough promoters and promotions with graphics and everything that just said nolan edward uh so you win some you lose some i'm not going to be the guy to fight it um i started getting booked more and more and on and on certain shows and i was looking at i think it was blood sport it was yeah it was so the blood sport tapings that happened um and i loved my experience there I love my experience working with GCW, uh, but this was the first experience working with them. Uh, on the clipboards, we had so much like pre-taped stuff to film and promos mm-hmm. and promo pictures, and every time it said Edwards. So I looked at the lady and I said, uh, she said, okay, can we get you to take photos over here? And I said, okay, yeah, uh, just so you know, I see it says Edwards on the clipboard. Uh, there's no S. She was like, oh, okay, and she'd cross it off. Then I'd go from that spot and I'd have to go outside and film an interview segment. And they'd say Nolan Edwards. And I'd look at him and say, oh, say, I know it says Edwards on your clipboard. Uh, there's no S. Can you mind crossing that off? He'd say, yeah, no problem. Um, that happens within like five stations before I've even wrestled. You know what I mean? Uh, promo pictures, promo pictures, interviews, vignettes, promos, um, headshots, all that stuff where I see them checking off. A check putting a check mark next okay we got nolan edwards done i said no cross off the s i finally watched blood sport and they say edwards and twitter blew up i didn't even say anything uh I, the reason i responded with the ting tings is because i felt like i had to um people got so mad and this was the first time that anybody realized it uh, so so I was like, I think you guys need to be mad at yourselves. Uh, uh, so. And then they fixed it, and then they added a D to it <laughs> when they fixed it. So there's multiple versions of somebody that looks like me out there 
there's tape of a lot of people that look like me, uh, but they're not all Nolan Edwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> your first time coming down to Florida. <laughs> yes. And working with uh, Cyrus Satine. Yeah. I was working uh, with that company, uh, uh, which was the Proving Ground at the time. Yes. And I got your information because I was doing the ring announcing. Mm-hmm. And I may have misheard you. Oh, no. Everybody and, mishears me. Well, here's the thing. So I'm doing the ring announcing. Yeah. And I fuck up and I put Nolan Edwards. Oh, However, God. I'm also the editor of the show. So on the lower third, I put Nolan Edwards. And I'm also doing commentary, and I'm the lead commentator, which means my co-host, Christian Override, is, now is calling you Nolan Edwards because I'm calling you Nolan Edwards. So, Nolan, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm fucking patient zero of <laughs> fucking your shit up in Florida. That's what Jesus. I'm trying to say. Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, if we could please edit in the uh, the uh, sound effect from The Price is Right, uh, the uh, fail horn here, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that's me. That's, uh, that's me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry is what I'm trying to say. Apology. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's I'm, – I'm glad that other places fucked up too. I hope <laughs> that I influenced them in some way and fuck me forever. So there we go. <laughs> Uh, so let, um, I, I, I'm going to change subject slightly on this one here. We'll stick with wrestling for now, though. Um, I had a, you had a very interesting tweet. Not to, I, it wasn't a tweet you made. I believe it was actually one of the refs from Action um, had put up that you are the most technical death. You have the most technical death matches, and you're the most violent standard matches. Um, do you? I guess this seems like a basic question, but do you do that on purpose? Um, how how do you kind of go about? Because because you do you do live in what I feel like are almost kind of two separate worlds of the wrestling industry. But you may not agree with that. But how do you go about kind of dealing with the line of death matches versus stand, standard matches? I guess for lack of a better term. So yeah, for the longest time, I always fought that. Um, I, it wasn't until I had a conversation with Marcus Crane. Because uh, obviously when you're new to the deathmatch world, it's very... Is he just going to do one? Is he just trying to use this for to get a little get a little buzz and then he's going to be done? Is he going to shit on it? Is he going to what? You know what I mean? Uh, people... <laughs> people, like, this is people's lives. Um, so I ha I can't not take it serious. And I and I don't know what the plan was the first deathmatch that I had. All I know is is I've had I've had plenty since then. Um so I've I, I like a certain wrestling and I and and it's lucha and I can't do lucha. Um but I love lucha and this is how I this is how I'm gonna explain it. I love lucha, can't do it. Um, so I had to find other stuff through trial and error. I found out that I love hitting people very hard. <laughs> uh, and so in a weird way, unintentionally, cause I know you asked, is this on purpose? Unintentionally, I mixed my love for hard hitting wrestling 
and technical wrestling and what most would say the opposite ways of using them. Like, like I just, I, I recently had uh, a death, a main event death match on my H2O debut at Matt Tremont's promotion. Mm-hmm. And um, we chain wrestled for five minutes. And it, it ended with a pane of glass. Um, that's quite the, that's quite an, es- that, that escalated drastically. Um, I, I'd agree. I'd say, I'd say my death matches are more technical and my normal matches are more hard hitting. Is it on purpose? I don't think so. Uh, but I will admit I caught on very quickly as, as to how I was like messing with everybody's mind by doing so. <laughs> very true. Um, I, I I haven't sat back and looked at that all that much. All I know is I'm definitely okay with being known as a more technical deathmatch wrestler and a more violent wrestler because I think that's very comedic. <laughs> <laughs> and I well, mean, here. that's really what we're working towards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um I like being able to say that, and I'm glad that I wasn't the first one to say it, and that it was somebody else acknowledging it. That's and true. More followed, because uh, although it might not be what I was going for before, because in reality I was just, I was just trying to make sure I didn't have a bad match. Um, but then, I I very much live by the rules of there are no rules when it comes to wrestling. Um, you go to pro wrestling school to learn how to wrestle and then and you everybody can blame Carrie awful for this and don't blame him in a bad way blame him in a good way as to why i'm this way and why people are catching on to my whole approach to wrestling for the longest uh, this one time i'm not going to name names i wrestled somebody uh it was like my third match that day and he was new to that area and he hadn't been back he hasn't been back since and we got done with the match and he looked at me and said, Jesus Christ, you're not a professional wrestler. And at this point, I've been a professional wrestler for two years. I've won a tournament. I've, I've won a few titles. I've traveled up and down the United States and Canada. Uh, I've worked a production job for a television wrestling company. Um, so when he said that, I said, you know what? You just gave me a catchphrase. And so I'm, I'm very much learn how to wrestle and then say fuck it and do whatever you want (laughs) so being told i wasn't a professional wrestler i think is i i I can't help but not think that's why i wrestle the way i wrestle hence being technical in death matches and violent and normal interesting Mm -hmm. what a weird like kind of spider's web that that started i I think my wrestling career is very much a this happened, so this could happen. And I don't know if I take that approach with life, like the whole uh, things happen for a reason. But when it comes to wrestling, um, very much so. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, looking at pro wrestling in a different light. And I had actually heard in some of my research that I was diving into that there are elements of like promo and filming of like wrestling stuff that you enjoy, but you wouldn't necessarily consider yourself like a documentarian. Yeah. 
So um, when I heard that, I was mean. thinking more so that you're almost a pro wrestling cinematographer because from some of the videos that you've created and been a part of, you clearly have an artistic eye. You're making non-traditional visual media for wrestling and, and as promotion and things along those lines. Right. So with that being said, let's go with the mantle of a cinematographer as opposed to a director or, you know, someone who's making documentaries. Where would you say your visual influence comes from when you're coming up with this kind of look or, or aesthetic or viewpoint? So it was, it was pretty, I don't, so I worked for MTV for a while and I, when I left MTV, I pursued wrestling. And then when I pursued wrestling, I was given the production job at impact. And I, everybody, everybody that knows who I am knows how much I hated working there. Um, I'm not (laughs) afraid to say it. I'm not gonna, this is how I approach wrestling. Somebody at one point, it was actually Cyrus at one point told me, he's like, man, whenever you do a podcast or an interview, just, just remember that anybody could be listening. I don't care. I didn't (laughs) like working for impact. Um, I think it was the way that we were told to do stuff and the way that, and this is that MTV and impact, the way that I was told to do things, the way I had to to write out or help somebody else cut a promo that's, that's wrestling for a TV company and we're on their 15th take or, or I'm filming some reality show and it's supposed to be a reality show and it's, we got to do another take. Um, it made me know what I hate about just production in general. Mm -hmm. So apply that to where now I have to film myself. A lot of the times I film myself, it's, I hand, and I've actually talked to a lot of, a lot of people about this. Um, cause a lot of people have asked me, how do you film your promos? What makes them so different? I remember the one that took me off guard the most is Ricky Shane page asked me that. Oh wow! Uh, the first time I met him, he said, why are your promos? He, he, it was not in a negative way. He was very, I was honored to be asked by that, by somebody that has this much experience in wrestling, but it was, he was asking for my advice. Like how did, how do, uh, what makes your promos different? Is it a lens you use? Is it this? And I said, no, when you really think about it, it's, I told him, I hand my friend my, a camera, whoever's there. I hand him a camera and I say, uh, keep me in this part of the frame. Cause not everybody I hand a camera to has some production value where they're going to be able to do this or that. Right. Right. Um, I hand them a camera and I say, keep me at this part of the frame. And I say, ask me a question. And they say, what? Sometimes the person I hand a camera to is a wrestling fan that knows everything they can ask me. Sometimes it's another worker. Sometimes it's somebody that knows nothing about wrestling at all. And I just need to film a promo. Um, I tell them, this is the match. Ask me whatever questions you can think of. I've done that for my promos on J.D. Drake, on Angelus Lane, on A.J. Gray. Uh, The list goes on. And those are the promos that stuck out to people. The J.D. Drake promo, we filmed for 30 minutes. The A.J. Gray promo, we filmed for nine minutes. The So on and so forth. I take the best bits of that conversation and them asking me natural, natural questions and film it. Now, what I told Ricky and what I told everybody else and everything is now now that alone is already so different than a wrestler 
just setting their iPhone on a window and you hear and you hear wind in the camera and they're yelling right. at the camera for two minutes. So it's not that I'm doing anything different, like a lens or like this or editing it or sometimes I do. It's a lot of the times if I edit a promo, it's because one, I just I just felt the creative way to do it. It might not even be good. It might not even be well edited, but I liked it. Um that was that was like my that was my take on why people think my promos are different or why they are the way they are. It's constantly having to to see people do it the way I don't like it and having to like have that my name on it. Like who filmed this promo? Oh, Nolan did. And it's like, oh, it's not good. And it was like, well, <laughs> then Nolan's response was always, but that's that's how you told me to do it. Um and so now that I'm cutting my own I kind of, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to be my, I didn't want to be what I hated. I think that should be the goal of any aspect of wrestling or any other production is just don't be what you hated. Yeah, that's, that's pretty damn fair. <laughs> uh, but easier said than done. I think there's plenty of wrestlers who end up doing some shit that they're like, ugh, I, this is just, I hate this. A lot of the promos I cut, I hate, and I put them out, and I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna tank." And then in five minutes, it gets it gets a thousand views. And then a promo that I'm like, "Man, this is gonna this is this is a great promo." It takes five months to get a thousand views. And I mean, that's how it goes. I actually got asked uh, some, another um, uh, merchandise maker was talking to me the other day and asked. He goes, "How do you?" deal with you posting something and it just gets no response. And I told him the truth. I, hey, I'm making so much stuff that I can't stand around and, and worry about that. Like, if this goes well, wonderful. If nobody cares, okay, well, it's still going to be there. And I got other stuff I got to work on. So right. you keep working at it until you figure something out. Exactly. Uh, so my my final question in the uh, the film snobbery section of the interview is uh, you also recently revealed that you were a screenwriting major when you were in school. Mm -hmm. um, and I also dabbled in that when I was in school. And I'm curious if there were el any elements of screenwriting in that you know classroom setting that you have felt has carried on into your work now. Yes. Um, in a way... I never, I, I write out ever since school, I've had to write out so much on, oh, this is the screenplay I got to write. I got to write a feature length film. I got to write a commercial. I got to write a, right. a pitch for a TV show all just to get a grade and, and graduate and everything um, to the point where I don't, I write every day, but I don't write anything when it comes to wrestling. Right, you're finding other creative outlets and things like that. Yeah, um, I think, I think in a way, it because I can't say that I can't say, oh, me being a screenwriting major when I was in college was because I was a screenwriting major and I was a directing minor, and then when I went into the film industry, I was a screenwriter turned cinematographer. Yeah, but odd as that is. Um, and I had to self-teach myself all the cinematography. So like, so like in a way I want to say, Oh, I was able to become Nolan Edward because of my screenwriting. Like I could just write a character like I did for college. Cause that's what I had to do for like work and for school and everything. But it's not 
the case at all because Nolan Edwards is the same exact person as who I am. There's no character there. There's nothing like made up or there's nothing dumb. Um, so I don't know if the screenwriting has changed my wrestling in any sense or how I approach wrestling. Uh, I think it's just made it like more like uh, my screenwriting teacher. I know I've talked about screenwriting recently, but I didn't talk about one of like the best things I learned while like in classes for screenwriting was my screenwriting teacher was this author named Richard Rothrock. Um, he's got some stuff. He's got some stuff published on Amazon and everything. And he's, he's done some really cool screenplays. And he, uh, with a name like that, he also defeated a jujitsu clan in 1987. Yeah. See, I was going to say he was actually uh, Fred Flintstone's boss on uh, okay, the Flintstones. Well, guess Thanks what? So. We're both old, Chad. We're both he, old. Uh, he, he said something that uh, always stuck with me, and it was probably like the second semester when we had to turn in our second writing uh, assignment. Uh, he said to me, privately, man, like, you just really suck. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> He, it was. I suck at what I was trying to write. I was trying to write some genre, I don't remember, that I know nothing about. And he said uh, the most authentic way to come across to anything as a writer or as anything you do in life is to write what you know. Um, so that's why, that's why I wrestle the way I wrestle. That's why I'm like, I present myself the way I present myself. Like, you don't see me walking out and the second I come through the curtain, bust out screaming and drop to all fours and then like, stand up and do like some kind of dumb pose like that's cool like i love that aspect of wrestling but that's not me if that makes sense yeah i will like applaud people that have the confidence to do that but i can't do that so i'm i'm not gonna fake it just as much as he said you gotta write what you know well let's say so the other reason i wanted to bring up the screenwriting thing is because for me the great advice that i gathered from my screenwriting class came from another student who, for whatever reason, and I'm sure yours was probably the same way, where, like, you were just working at the same script for the whole semester. It was like, you know, you'd have to have a certain number of pages done each week, and then it would be, like, read off in class and blah, 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 blah. And so there was one kid in the class who literally every class changed his mind. Yeah, no, there was people like that all the time. And so by the end of the, the semester, he only had, like, the first three scenes done because he had changed the genre 50 times throughout the semester. And I learned from that in terms of applying it to wrestling is with gimmicks or characters or anything along those lines, any direction that you're going in, it's not going to help you to change your mind a hundred times. Like, right. Cause you'll never be able to set down roots. And then before you know it, Oh, I've wasted, you know, five years because you know, every other show, I was a completely different character. Yeah. So that was sort of the big lesson I took from my screenwriting class. And also that, like, Back to the Future is the fucking perfect screenwritten screenplay. But other than that. I also agree. We yeah. dissected Back to the Future at some point. So it's... did we. So did we. That's how you create good rising tension. Um, the car suddenly doesn't work anymore. Anyway, so uh, so that I'm, I'm tapping out in terms of uh, railroading this interview. So, Chad, what do you have? I, well, I was going to talk about my screenwriting class, but I never took one. So um, <laughs> I was about to be taken aback. I was like, "Oh, Chad." Yeah. <laughs> no. Didn't no, but I I actually funny uh, off of uh, Nolan's story about you know having the the teacher pull her pull him to the side and, and telling me sucked. Uh, I I did theater. That was where my geekdom fell into play, and uh, we did a 
uh, me and my theater company actually did a theater festival once that was uh, reviewed. And uh, the, one of the reviewers brings us in and we're all sitting in a circle. We're all proud because the show went really well. And he goes, so who wrote this exactly? And the person who wrote it was the, you know, one of the other actors with me and we, Oh, my friend Andrew did. And he's like, great. And he goes, yeah, this show has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And then proceeded to like rip us for like 20 minutes. And it just made me wow. think of that one. Was that like, like, yeah, this show like that. And we used to that became a joke line for us for the longest time is all oh, this show has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And we go, but it was the same feeling that you had there. It's like, fuck it. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, we enjoyed it. We had fun with it. The audience enjoyed it. Who gives a shit what you think? So, yeah. um, yeah. Now, speaking of people, you probably do give a shit about what they think. Um, I'm very interested, and this kind of falls back into the theme music thing. You've obviously changed your theme music recently over to um, the Carney's music. Um, so tell us a little bit about working with Carrie Awful and um, kind of, I, I would say, picking up the mantle of the, of the Carney's right now. I, I'm interested in kind of how that came about. So... It all came, so when I, I met Carrie when I got the impact job, uh, it moved me down to Nashville and it moved me down to Nashville and I made a Facebook post having never met uh, Trip Cassidy. I, I, there was a Facebook post made saying I moved to Nashville and he commented saying, um, are you training with Carrie Awful? And I said, I wasn't, but now I'm going to message Carrie Awful. Um, so it was really cool just people saying like, oh, wrestling community, doing the wrestling community thing and saying, oh, you're in so-and-so's area. You should go see them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, now here I am Tuesday going to, uh, something that Carrie called Tuesday night Twitter fights. I literally left the impact production office to go wrestle a six minute match on Twitter. That was just being broadcasted around a bunch of people I never met at the Gypsy Joe Arena in Tullahoma, Tennessee. It was probably one of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life. But that's how I met Carrie. Uh, Amazing. Snowballed, snowballed to where my tag partner now is, is Hardway Heater, which is Carrie's, one of Carrie's students at Crux. Um, I've since trained, uh, been, a, been a little bit of like a guest trainer at times whenever I'm in the area at Crux. Um, me and Heater hit the road together all the time, so... Everything has always been carny related. Like the reason why I wrestle the way I wrestle is because of Carrie. The reason I carry myself the way I carry myself is because of Carrie. I always put it as I went to, I was trained by eight people before I went to Carrie. And when I went to Carrie, Carrie said, okay, forget all of that. Uh, what X Men character are you? And that stuck with me. I'll say that's uh, not fair. That's a, that's a jump to the front of the line question. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. He, um, cause he's like, okay, so you learned all this wrestling from all these people and can do all this stuff. That's cool. But you're not, I, I don't believe you for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so upon further, that's how I came up with the whole international folklore thing. That's how I came up with this. This is all, this is all like that's why I wrestle the way I wrestle now because I mean I've wrestled drastically different from the first time we met Zach. Yes, correct. Um, I agree with that. I personally think for the better. Like I think I improved, um, and so Carrie helped that, and then Nick Iggy was was there when I was going through the situations where 
uh, a big bad uh, a body guy looking wrestler told me I'm not a professional wrestler. And Iggy was like, fuck that. Like, and went off at the TWE arena in Chattanooga, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he literally went off on me in the locker room for like 45 minutes just saying, no, like this is like, that's what makes you good. That's what makes you unique. That's what does this like. uh, The, the, so the carnies have always been like the, probably the biggest influence in my wrestling career. Um, besides that Undertaker VHS, but <laughs> right. But now fast forward to to COVID and Nick doing his own thing and Carrie doing his own thing. Now, uh, it was presented that I would I could have a match with Carrie, like I've always wanted to on a show. We've trained together, obviously, and done like some sparring stuff at at sessions. Um, but I've always wanted to have a match with him on a show because that's Dad. Right. Right. And so we're doing it and I pitched the, well, I always have this rabbit's foot on my gear. I want your mask. And Carrie just said, huh. And <laughs> like, hmm, let me think on it. And so then the match gets announced and it's rabbit's foot versus mask. So now I'm in a match where winner takes all kind of th- kind of deal. Uh, and it was just, it was literally just a simple message to Carrie where I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm doing it the right way. Cause I went through this slump where I was like, wrestling's getting me upset or, uh, the, the politics or the business side of wrestling is just too demanding. I need to do something that makes me happy. Um, and I literally told Carrie, I said, is it okay if I come out to the original, like, copyright free carnies music that you guys use for ring of honor and chikara and everything because they've had a couple but and he literally said let me talk to everybody and then said i can and ever since then i've literally he he's cried on the phone with me and said stuff like you don't have to be doing this like you don't realize that like you're wrestling so many places right now that this music would have never been played at before or not in another million years would would we even be thought about getting booked there or like you're, he was like you're on the rise right now do you really want to switch up to this and i said yeah like it's gonna make me it's gonna make me care about wrestling that much more than i already do it's gonna fix a lot of the stuff that that's going on in my own head you know what i mean um like fix what i was getting upset with wrestling about because now I'm just going out having fun doing what I want to do. I'm, I'm being a carny. <laughs> so uh, that was that was like the whole motivation. I was like down in a slump. Obviously, these these three people have always been there. Not always because I've been with other wrestlers, other trainers. But when I needed people the most, uh, they were there in Indiana for me. They were there in Tennessee for me. Um, they showed me who good people are and who the bad people are. And, and they became like, like obviously Carrie's dad. Um, so being able to say, I want to, I want to do what you guys were doing, but let me do my own spin on it. Like, and then say yes was such a big thing for me that the next thing I said was, okay, I got to come out to the theme. And they said, why? And I said, cause it's authentic. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. 
Um, I think people were terrified when I stopped using grassroots and then more and more people caught on to what the song change was to. And now I walk out and I have people like throw up the six with their fingers for me and everything. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I, I did love, I think one of the first times I remember you, I remember seeing that you had done it was on a No Peace Underground show, I do believe. Yep, At least that's that when... the first time. So I, I gave ICW the Carney's music. And I was going to debut it for the first time at ICW against Atticus and Deppin. And then they played my old music. And I was like, no, <laughs> um, you can't hear it. But in the locker room, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley were there and they start playing my old music. And I looked over to John and I yelled fuck as loud as I could. <laughs> and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, but old music. And then I just walked out and like, <laughs> um, so when I wrestled that no piece the next day, I literally only gave them that song so they couldn't mess it up. Nice. But I remember the reaction on Twitter after No Peace when you came out to that. It was a bunch of people who were like, oh, shit, is this the Cardi's music? And I and I loved that reaction to it. I, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. A lot, that there were a lot of people that got it, right? That, yeah. you know, understood that, like, oh, this is a change. And especially, and I almost, you know what the funny part is? I and Not that I don't think I see Dub would have, um, it would have been a great place for it, but. Maybe, you know, like I said, you know, something like No Peace Underground, especially with, you know, No Ring and stuff like that, I think may have almost even made it all the, all that sweeter for some reason to me, that, at least to me. And that's as an outsider, obviously, on that one here. But right. Uh, but I think that might have that might have made a difference on it. So. Um, OK, so from here, uh, I'm going to do a uh, Zach, I'm going to I'm uh, please buckle your seatbelts. I'm going to pull a complete uh, IndyCast 180 here. Oh, boy. Um, so uh, we have been told that you are a, a major donut fan. Um, oh, so uh, so double question, a, a kind of an A and B question, a Dunkin or Krispy Kreme question, a question B. Have you been to Voodoo Donuts uh, either in uh, New Orleans, the original or have you been to the one here in Orlando? I have not been to Voodoo Donuts in Orlando, but now considering I'm going to be now. Yeah, you goddamn better be. Like, yeah. come on. Um, what was the first question, Krispy Kreme or what? Duncan. <sighs> Krispy Kreme only because I know that for a fact because I haven't really had a lot of Duncan. Okay. So we're going to play it safe. Are you pretty much the basic, um, the typical, what everybody kind of pictures is the Krispy Kreme, the, no, the regular glazed or? So, so that, the house that I mentioned earlier, there's a gas station across the street that has like a donut bakery in it. And that's my, like, that's my favorite. Um, so forget Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme. <laughs> but it, it's like the apple fritters and the cinnamon twists. Ooh. <laughs> apple fritters are amazing, by the way. God, I, I could go for an apple fritter right now. What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's called product placement, folks. Um, 
so Chad, while uh, we're on the subject of food, why don't you ask yeah. uh, our other food question? Why, I certainly can. Uh, we will uh, indeed ask the uh, Trevin Adams memorial question, even though uh, one Mr. Trevin is obviously not dead. Uh, Trevin, if you're listening, hi there. Um, so it is uh, late at night. You just finished up a show. You're uh, you're doing the drives, as Uncle Bob, like uh, Uncle Bob Evans would like to say, uh, and uh, you have a rumbly in your tumbly. You are hungry. You're coming over a hill, and you see a shining beacon of light in front of you. Is that shining beacon in front of you a sheets, or is that shining beacon a Wawa? Wawa. That a boy. Uh, all right. That a fucking boy. <laughs> I didn't. I did not have hope on that one. I will say that for the record. So you've just lot. you've just been promoted from manager. To general manager, you are charge of many Ask shops at Brainbuster. Anytime I'm in Florida, the first thing we do when I get there is he goes like, "I say, hey Ron." He's like, "Don't worry, we're going to a Wawa." And I'm like, "Goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, also, is it my uh, turn to turn 180 and now bring down the room? Well, you know what? Let me. I want to ask one quick question before okay. we do that, because um, I did have one last deathmatch question here. But uh, and this is uh, actually from our uh, our good friend, uh, the American Dad, asked himself, Jesse Long, uh, if you could uh, have a deathmatch versus any celebrity, who would it be and why? Ooh, Demi Lovato. <laughs> now, I feel like that's your go-to celebrity answer for anything. Yeah. If it was like, what celebrity would you want to have a kidney transplant from? You're like, oh, I think I got to be Demi Lovato on that one. It's got to be Demi Lovato. Now, now what, what is the – what is, so now, okay, the, and I did have a question that I was going to dodge based on the fact that it, we had kind of figured that you kind of have a crush on Demi Lovato. So what is it about Demi Lovato that, uh, that all things revolve around Demi Lovato? She's just a great human being, guys. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> and also, she doesn't follow anyone on Twitter, and neither does Nolan. And if they followed each That's other, the it one. Twitter to explode. That's the one. If the only person I will ever follow on Twitter is going to be Demi Lovato, and that's the day that she follows me. <laughs> that man of principle. That, that's Nolan go. Edward. Is. He's, a, he's, a, he's a man of principle. Okay. Now, Zach, now that I railroaded your final two questions, yes. please, by all means, you may begin the final two. <laughs> uh, so... Unfortunately, in the incredible performance art that we all love, known as professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. And so with that being said, uh, Nolan, if there was any wrestler, manager, promoter, anyone who's no longer alive that was involved in wrestling, who would you want to work with and why? Uh, Sick Nick Mondo. Mm. Very nice. Um, if you pay attention to how I wrestle, it's it, <laughs> it, a lot of it is just his moveset. Okay. Um, like, I don't know. I think I pay I, before I watched any of his death matches, believe it or not, because you think this would be the other way around. I watched a lot of his matches that were like really. Um, I don't, I don't want to say, like, light hardcore, but not heavy hardcore either. But, like, they weren't, like, traditional, obviously. Uh, but I did watch some of those, too. And I, that's when I got hooked on him. So then I'd want to wrestle him just for the factor of, like, obviously he's not passed away, but he's retired. He's since announced, like, he's fully retired. Um, as far as, because I know I want to, I know the answer was really for who's passed away. Yes. Um, man. 
By the way, can I say it for the record? You really scared me there for a second because I really started to look up when Sick Nick Mondo had passed because I'm like, no. how did I miss that? What the shit? No, whenever, okay. anybody, whenever anybody asks me who I want to wrestle in general that I know that they know can't happen anymore, I always say Sick Nick. So that's why I answered that way. Um, as far as who's passed away... I would really this is gonna be random. Um or is it random or is it not random at all? Great start. Second guess yourself. Good, good. <laughs> Let's uh great Sasuke. Okay. I don't think that's too random. I think that's a good answer. So. I am surprised you didn't bring it full circle and say Paul Bearer. I should have said Paul Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, second final question here. Uh, we here at the IndieCast believe that every animal in nature is given certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. So, giraffes have long necks, rhinos have big horns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Our belief is that human beings... As animals, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, with that being said, Nolan Edward, if you could fight any animal, what would it be? And what a koala? What weapon would you use? <laughs> wow! Want to fight a koala with a flaming kendo stick? There's just <laughs> no way that shit looks that nice without being <laughs> a little devil. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm saying it right now. Fuck the koalas. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sacramento, first off, why is that not on a shirt? It might have to be now. Nolan Edward, fuck, fuck the koalas. Fuck the koalas. Well, that's the name. That's clearly going to be the name of his uh, mixtape on VHS now. Um, that's right. Jesus so, almighty. All Nolan right. There's some, un- the koalas. there's some unsettled issues there that we'll have to dive into at another time. Ain't nobody just chilling, eating that much eucalyptus and being normal. <laughs> well that's a conspiracy that i'm certainly open to uh chad uh where yes. do we go from here i believe this is the time in the episode where uh one mr brian cage has officially given us permission to call get your shit in uh nolan if you could let people know where they could uh find your social media buy your merchandise etc etc the floor is yours well you can get a lot of cool very awesome shirts with lots of cool colors and a flag <laughs> At fullygimmick.com. Um, you can also get some other merch at uh, deathmatchworldwide.com. That in, and I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job at keeping designs exclusive for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. each area. Um, social media is uh, everything's the same. So at underscore Nolan Edward on Twitter and Instagram. So not to confuse you. Um, and then I do I've been kind of catching up on YouTube stuff. Not that I don't know if that's like a huge whatever, but um, I post I've been posting a lot of like the promos I post on Twitter or highlights to YouTube now. Um, but it's slowly start restarting that. So there's not a lot as of right now, but there will be. I'm going to keep on that. Excellent. That's all I can think of. Excellent. Very nice. Well, Nolan, obviously, once again, thank you for uh, joining us on the IndieCast this week. It has been uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I hope we will have you on again sometime soon here. Zach, uh, a future interview, so I'm keeping him to it. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. You're you're half locked in already. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but uh, and to, uh, to all of you uh, wonderful wrestling nerds out there, we thank you once again for uh, tuning into the IndieCast exclusively here on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Uh, until next time, everybody, I am, as always, Chad Allen. And I am Zach Romero. And until next time, everybody, we always say... Deuces. Hope I don't poop today. You're going to kill your again. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners you. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.